G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, there's a special launch of a new biography that is happening this month as we cast our minds back to the year 2000 and at the turn of the century the whole world was watching as the Sydney Harbour Bridge lit up and the word that was emblazoned across the Sydney Harbour Bridge on that turn of the century was the word eternity. And we're remembering today the writer of the word eternity and what made that word so famous was Arthur Stace, who moved around the city of Sydney and sometimes further afield with a mission to write that one word, eternity. And he did so many, many thousands of times, over 35 years, spending two to five hours every day writing eternity on the streets of Sydney. There's a new biography that's called Mr. Eternity, the story of Arthur Stace, and it's co-authored by Roy Williams and Elizabeth Myers, whose parents were close friends of Arthur Stace. And Elizabeth Myers joining us for her reflections. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much. Elizabeth, what do you remember of those early days? Because you were just a little girl when you first met Arthur Stace. Yes, I was just about 10 years old. When my father was invited to be minister at the Burton Street Baptist Tabernacle in Darlinghurst. And so, yes, I was very young. My brother and sister were younger than me. And um, I first met Arthur and his wife, Pearl. They were part of the membership of the church. And, uh, of course, we didn't know about eternity at this time. So Arthur was just a, another member of the congregation to me in the beginning. I was at a little wary of him at first because being so young and living out in the western suburbs I hadn't sort of met anyone like Arthur and with his um, weathered face and his gruff little voice and he was tiny he was different and so it took me a little while to um, warm to him but soon I did Uh, I soon realized that my father and mother respected him greatly and so I sort of soon began to love Arthur. So what do you appreciate most about his personality or his character uh, that made him the sort of man that you're uh, saying is very respected? Because we know that he had a little bit of a a checkered past. So how are your reflections about the sort of things that that, uh, bring his character to the fore? I think what made me respect Arthur was um, his humility He was a very humble man. He was extremely shy and he didn't push himself forward in any way. He was the caretaker and cleaner of the church jointly with his wife. And so they went around their work, you know, daily. And uh, I know that my parents felt that they did their job very well. Um, Pearl cooked meals at the church on the Wednesday evening and the Sunday evening. And uh, so, you know, I... I did respect the both of them, but Arthur particularly was very shy and very humble. 
And isn't that just like the Aussie battlers who are in church today? And as you say, he was the cleaner and the caretaker of the church. And here we are remembering such an amazing feat of that 35 years writing that word eternity. And now, of course, he's a folk hero in Australia. Uh, it's, right. it's, it's a contradiction in some ways, isn't it? It is really. Uh, of course, we didn't know who he was at the time. I mean, in the first uh, few months that my father was there, he discovered Arthur writing Eternity on the street. And so he said to Arthur, just as a joke, he said, Arthur, are you Mr. Eternity? And he said, guilty, Your Honour. He said, you won't tell anyone, will you? And that was when my father realised just how shy and humble Arthur was. He didn't want any notoriety. He didn't want publicity. He just wanted to go around doing what he believed God wanted him to do. And so my father knew that he had a big story on his hands, but how to get Arthur to tell it was another story. And so it took another five years before my father finally persuaded Arthur to go public with his story. And from then on, the last 10 years of his life, he was just famous. Everyone wanted to know about him. The press followed him everywhere he went. No matter what he did or said, he had someone following him in the press. And Arthur didn't really relate to that really well. He just wanted to preach the gospel in the open-air meetings. He wanted to write his word eternity in the early morning when no one was around, so no one knew who he was. It's, it's humility. His humility, I think, that impressed me most of all. Isn't it funny because the words used in the biography and as you're describing it, like an unmasking, here he was doing all of this on the quiet, very, very low key, uh, not wanting to draw attention to himself, realising that people were recognising that there was a Mr Eternity writing these words around Sydney. And then when he does tell his story, how do you recall the rise to fame in the sense of everybody now knows who Arthur is I don't think it made much difference to Arthur he never sought any publicity so if the press came to speak to him that was fine he would speak to them but he only ever once did one radio one radio interview that was all as far as he was concerned so he didn't he didn't want anything more than that he just wanted to continue on he loved his open-air meetings and he did that on a Saturday night for 24 years and when he got up in the open air, he was a different person. He was, he was loud and shouted out and was full of, what's the word? He was full of... Um, exuberance. Exuberance, that's exactly the right word. And he preached the gospel of the Lord. He, he used to get up to all sorts of tricks to get people to watch him and listen to him. He had a lot of self-depreciating jokes that he would tell about himself. And, uh, you know, for example, he would say, you know, from the gutter, God save me from the guttermost to the uttermost. And then he would say also another favorite one was about your sin. If you, if you, your sin will keep you in, meaning he would, it would keep you in jail. So he would all do all this sort of thing and people just bounced around the, around the stage like you wouldn't believe it. But get him down by himself and at the church, he was quiet and shy. He just was part of the crowd. And um, one thing I did notice in church was a, a young girl had amused me that he, he used to, um, he knew all the, the words of all the hymns and uh, he would get the hymn book and he would bash it against his leg. And I, we were quite amused as children because, you know, he would bash the books around and he, used to, he went through four that we know of 
and um, he would get old books and he would bash them on his leg and he would be very exuberant singing the gospel but away from the singing and away from the speaking in the open air he was just quiet, just quiet, Arthur, humble and shy. Interesting when you talk about him as a preacher because that sort of contradiction again and there are lots of preachers who would say I'm just a shy, unassuming personality but when I'm up in front of people and when I carry a message, uh, then I come out of my shell and I have this this determination to shine as best I can. It sounds as though that after he had this real encounter with God and this burning desire to write eternity, that somehow or other that shyness gave way to uh, the blossoming of a personality that people could really relate to and that could really draw a crowd. Oh, he could. He could draw a crowd. And I know there's um, many people who would go, especially into the city on a Saturday night, to hear him. And um, he really was so full of God's Spirit. He was so pleased to have had this wonderful salvation that he just was so excited about it. He just had to tell people. And he would tell his story a lot about what had happened to him as a, as a child and in his youth. He didn't tell the whole story, but he would tell the parts that he wanted to tell, but that would be all a preliminary to, to be able to say to people, well, look, you know, I, I don't swear anymore, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, gamble, I don't do anything, any criminal activities. And so he, he really wanted to win as many people to the Lord as he possibly could. And as a former drunk, a habitual criminal, but with an amazing counter in God, his testimony still continues to ring true. And all the more in this new biography we're talking about, it's called Mr. Eternity, the story of Arthur Stace, the author Roy Williams with Elizabeth Myers. Elizabeth is our guest. Elizabeth, stay with us. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while. We're taking a few minutes to just check in with one of the co-authors of a new biography of the man who is known as Mr. Eternity, Arthur Stace. The author is Roy Williams and Elizabeth Myers. Elizabeth's parents were very close friends of Arthur Stace and Elizabeth knew Arthur in her early years. Elizabeth, this is the interesting part of your contribution in this biography, is that your father and your mother had both tried to write a biography of Arthur Stace's life and were collecting all sorts of understandings, memorabilia and the stories, and they never got to write their book, but it fell to you to be able to contribute. How do you describe your role? Well, I got all the memorabilia from my parents, but then I realised there was a lot... Arthur was so humble and, and so reticent to have a book written that... There was a lot of gaps. He didn't talk much about the painful and sad parts of his early life. So I also had to do lots of research. So I have been working on this book for many, many years, gathering research, checking facts, trying to fill in the gaps because of all the family's problem with alcohol. We, we never had a photo of them. We never had any information that they had spoken to us. So we... There was a lot of work to be done, and so that's what I spent many, many years doing that, um, collecting all the bits and pieces so that it would make a good, a good story and a good biography. Arthur was very sad about what had happened to his family, and um, he didn't want anything written until after his, all the family had passed away. 
And so this is what my mother was honouring. And so as time went on, it fell to me and I've sort of tried to endeavour to pick up all the bits and pieces, interviewing people who went to our church and collecting everything. So it's taken many, many years. And then uh, I was able to go to the Bible Society and they found Roy for me to write it. I didn't feel that I had the skills to write it and I needed some help there. Elizabeth, how do you think all of those painful parts of Arthur's history will speak to people who pick up the new biography today? Because clearly there's a deep message within this biography that many Aussies will really relate to. Sure. I think that Arthur's early childhood was very sad. It was full of deprivation, cruelty, neglect. And finally, the children were in foster care. And Arthur was very sad about that. And uh, it took him actually some years to actually tell my father the whole full story. There was so much of it that he wasn't telling people. And so this part of his life, I think, is where people might say, well, I don't really want to tell people about being in foster care. I don't want to really admit that my my family gave me away. And so I think there's a lot of a lot of this story will resonate with people and I think that a lot of people will find it a very comforting book because they can relate so well to his story. And of course the transformation that happens when he hears that message that John Ridley preaches and he goes onto the streets and from that time forward for the next 35 years appreciates a new mission in his life. Do you think that that was part of something of a healing for some of that painful background? How do you describe that? It's hard to know really. I think that he was just so grateful for his salvation that he wanted to do something for the Lord. And when John Ridley called out in the sermon, um, I wish that I could shout eternity across around the streets of Sydney, Arthur felt that God was speaking to him. And so he thought, well, this is something I can do for the Lord. I mean, in the previous two years, since he'd been converted in 1930, he had been helping at uh, Hammond's hotels and helping people who were alcoholics and helping them be rehabilitated. But this was something new. This was something that he felt the Lord really spoke to him about. And so, of course, he went outside. He just filled in his pocket, had a piece of chalk, and he bent down and he wrote eternity in that beautiful copper plate, which he said he he could never have done on his own. And so he really felt that was his his mission and years later when they made some friends who lived in the country when they were invited up to go to a to go and stay with them Arthur wouldn't go and he said to his wife no someone might need me in Sydney and I need to keep continuing writing writing eternity so he was so full of working for the Lord that he wouldn't even go on a holiday not even for a couple of days away to the country with his wife so she would go by herself and he would stay someone might need me I need to be here So this was his determination and his passion and he called it his work. And when he um, spoke on the radio, he talked about it being his work. So he saw that as his job. And when he returned 70, he said to his wife, I'm going to go, now that I'm retired, I'm going to go out on the train and go further afield. I'm going to go out into the country. And, And he did, out into the country, all around New South Wales and down into Melbourne. At first, she wasn't real happy about it. And so she came to my mother and said, look, Art wants to go and 
and preach eternity all around the whole of New South Wales and I don't know how we're going to live, we haven't got enough money and then mum said to her, well let's pray about it Pearl and they did and she said, I think you just pray about it for a week and think about it and then she came back to my mother on the following Sunday and said, I've prayed about it and I believe Art was called to do this and he says it's like the missionaries work in our church that they've got in other countries. That's his mission field and that's what he wants to do and I'm not going to stop him. And so she didn't, she didn't say anything about them not having enough money and um, God provided for them. And so that's when he, he started traveling all around the country and then eventually went down to Melbourne as well. It illustrates something, I think, which is quite important here, that Arthur must have had an intense realisation that when people saw his art with the word eternity on the footpath, that he knew that there was a powerful message being communicated with that word. And he must have had a deep appreciation for it. When you talk about the way that he realised he couldn't take time off. People needed to hear and see that word written. And it does have a powerful message, doesn't it? It certainly does. And he, he said to the, um, the chap that interviewed him on the radio, the chap said to him, um, why do you write eternity? Why that word? And he said, because eternity is a wonderful thing to know. He said, and I just want everyone to know that there's an eternity to face and I want them to know about it. And then the interviewer said to him, well, do you know that it's done any good? Do you know that it's, it's helped people? He said, oh, yes. He said, I could tell you many, many stories. And he told him one. And then he said, look, I could tell you more, but I don't want to do that because it would seem like, like I'm exaggerating or I'm boasting. And so he wouldn't even tell him any more. So in a way, this was why it was very hard to start writing this book because a lot of these stories Arthur never shared with people. He was so humble, he kept it to himself. But he did say to my father once when there was something else being done at the church, he said, could I help? He said, I don't want you to get all the plums. And so if there was anything around at the church that was going to involve helping people, counselling people, telling them about the Lord, Arthur wanted to be there because he wanted to be part of it and he wanted to share as with as many people as possible, God's plan for salvation and an and eternity to, to look forward to. And Elizabeth, just before I let you go, uh, the rock cakes have become very famous and associated with Arthur Stace. Uh, he went into that church to hear John Ridley preach that night, and he'd gone in there to have uh, something of a supper, and part of that was rock cakes. Rock cakes have become a part of the Arthur Stace legend. They certainly have, and um, we're going to have rock cakes and a cup of tea at the book launch on the 23rd of November at the Eternity Playhouse because we, we feel that we certainly couldn't have uh, wine with uh, wine and cheese uh, on Arthur's, in Arthur's um, afternoon. So, of course, we're having rock cakes and a cup of tea, and it's synonymous with Arthur now. He was hungry. He went there to get a feed because he was starving. He said... In the winter it was cold and he said when you found out where there was somewhere to eat, that was where you went. And so he went there for the food and all he had to do was listen to a sermon. But he often used to say, I went in to get a rock cake and I came out with the Rock of Ages. Elizabeth Myers, co-author of Mr Eternity, the story of Arthur Stace. It's a collaboration with author Roy Williams. Well, Elizabeth, 
your contribution is just dynamite. All of that wonderful information. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time to share that with us. You mentioned that the launch is coming up on the 23rd of November and uh, no doubt people will want to get a hold of it. It's available through Kurong. You can simply go to kurong.com and you can order your copy of Mr. Eternity, the story of Arthur Stace. Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking some time to share your heart with us today on 2020. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.